Canines for Camo podcast, episode 15. I'm Lisa Hamblin. Over the last two decades, our U.S. veteran population dropped by almost 25%. The non-veteran population increased by 27%. It's important to have that context as you consider the suicide rate among U.S. veterans. That number was once around 22 per day. Since 2020, it's dropped to closer to 19 people per day. Encouraging, yes, but still concerning. Today's episode is about suicide, but it's also a love story. I speak with a Springfield woman who lost her husband to suicide. He was a police officer, National Guard member, who had a life that many would envy. Married with nearly grown children, success in his career, but Matt Brown still made a decision to take his life. I knew Matt many years ago. He was the public information officer for the Springfield Police Department. And as a journalist, I often spoke to him about news stories. He was bright, intelligent, charismatic. You'll hear all of that from his wife, Kelly. I usually edit the interviews you listen to on this podcast. This one is mostly untouched. Kelly's story is just too important to leave anything out. Let's go way back and start with the beginning of when you guys got together. Um, what, mm-hmm. what drew you to him? Oh gosh, you know, I, we both worked at a car wash um, it was called Auto Magic at the time. I don't yes. know. I, I yes. don't think it's even still there. I'm not sure actually. Um, I don't. He he approached me, and we moved very quick. It was one of those situations where you just knew instantly that there was something there. Um, so when I say we moved quick, you know, we we knew that each other was the one. But we dated for a year and then got engaged and remained engaged for a year. Um, but we just, from day one, had that that thing, that it factor, you know, that we were always just crazy about each other. And that never faded, you know, over the years when our circumstances changed and we hit challenges and we both made mistakes, like that never went away. And, you know, for a lot of couples, I think that does. The, the newness wears off, the novelty of a, a new relationship. And for he and I, that's just always what got us through is that we were just, we were just crazy about each other. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed each other. We liked each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, 27 years of marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think you liked each other. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. So you got married and you had your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was thinking, Evan looks so much like him. He does. Yeah. <laughs> he is pretty much a clone of Matt yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, so uh, you both have these careers that are, Definitely challenging careers. Yeah. Emotionally, time-wise, mm-hmm. they take so much out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both in service in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you serve other people the whole time. So during his um, police career, I know that you know Bailey mentioned that he brought something from his childhood that made it mm-hmm. difficult, um, made life difficult. Mm-hmm. Did he? 
did he open up to you about that? And I don't need to know the details of it, mm-hmm. but did he, did he open up early on in your marriage about that? And were you able to kind of walk with him through all that? Um, he told me the very minor parts of it initially. Um, and in Matt fashion, he made it sound like that's just part of my past. Like I've moved on, look at my life now, you know, I got everything I wanted. Why would I dwell on that? And I didn't know the full story. Um, Matt was, you know, like I have said before so many times, he was the master compartmentalizer. He could take something that I don't think it was conscious. I don't think that he thought I should be dealing with this, but I'm not going to, but he, his mind just defaulted to taking something that he knew wasn't pleasant and brought him stress and he could put it in a box and put it on a shelf and not think about it. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, it it sounds kind of silly to sit here and say that we were married for 27 years and I didn't know the whole picture, but if you knew Matt and knew how, well, you do know Matt, (laughs) how well adjusted and just a great human and how squared away he was, there was not reason for me to dig further. You know, I didn't feel like, though there's something he's not telling me or there's got to be more to this story. Um, so yeah, we just kind of kept going in life and life will do that. It'll get busy and you have the kids and the family Mm -hmm. and the jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to just collapse in your bed at night Mm -hmm. and just rest. Yeah. Um, when in your time with him, did it start to maybe show some cracks Mm -hmm. or did it ever? Um, definitely, you know, it's sitting where I'm at now, it's easy to look back and, uh, see things that I missed, you know, and, uh, see the big picture now, but I would definitely say the, the choices that Matt made for his career and essentially he had two careers, um, being a law enforcement and the the military was absolutely even though it was National Guard and it was supposed to be a weekend warrior gig, he, it was very much like a full-time job for him. So the, the paths he chose just um, kind of caused him to see things and do things that were very hard, but also continue that compartmentalization and just shove it down deep because soldiers are supposed to be tough. You know, cops are not supposed to cry. Um, I have to just be objective and stand back and deal with this and not bring it home with me or let it affect me. So I would say though, if I had to, to pinpoint, um, Matt deployed in, uh, 2009 to Afghanistan and he was there for 14 months. Um, that definitely for me, the best way I know to put it was a, a catalyst to, every unresolved trauma that he ever had, um, everything that ever was an issue in his life. It's, it's like that just kind of sparked this 10 year long downward swirling of the drain. Mm. Um, you know, specifically he, he was in charge of a lot when he was in Afghanistan. Um, he did plans operations for route clearance missions and, um, you know, to, to be in charge of all that for so long and, and then to come home and 
you know, take a few weeks off and all of a sudden your biggest job for that day is to maybe help your wife fold some laundry that I'm, mean, that messes with a person. They just, that, that stark contrast of going from so much responsibility and importance and decision-making and critical thinking to matching socks yeah. <laughs> is, is a very, uh, you know, if not properly dealt with, just kind of snowballs, you know, into mm. these, these issues. So, and his personality was such that he would be given more responsibility probably because the Matt I remember came across as Superman and he could take everything with a Mm -hmm. smile and it had to be stressful to even be a public information officer Mm -hmm. had to be so stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, But he always took, everything like it rolled right off yeah and the Matt you knew and saw is the same one I knew um, he, he he might come home and vent at night a little bit but it always wrapped up positively you know he's like it's fine I'll deal with it like it'll it'll be good and he never told anybody no I cannot literally cannot think of a time where someone asked him to take on a project and he said I just don't have time for that he he was honored that, you know, they um, thought he was capable and, you know, the person for the job. So, you know, now was that also a bit of a flaw probably? Like he, mm-hmm. you know, people do need to know when mm-hmm. to set boundaries and whatnot, but he did it genuinely too. It wasn't like he, you know, agreed to it and then complained behind closed doors. If he was gonna take something on, you were gonna get 150% from Matt, so. yeah. Um, you said the 10 years after Afghanistan was when he kind of started this spiraling down the drain. Can you describe how you started to see that in those 10 years? Or did you see anything until the end? Um, you know, I think there was just so much childhood trauma for Matt that, you know, of course, I don't want to. He was so private about it. And I realize that's part of the stigma, but I also want to respect Matt even in death and not give up a lot of those details. Um, But it was significant. And like I say, I think that just the, the deployment and coming home and, you know, no one in the army says you can't ask for help. You, you can't not look strong you you know weakness is frowned upon no one overtly says that but it's inferred you know and it's inferred also in the police force that you suck it up and move on Mm -hmm. and I think that you know he the last few years of law enforcement is not what he signed up for (laughs) the world has changed and not in a good way and you know there was stories that he'd come home and tell me about things he dealt with at work that um, just would mess with anybody you know it's just uh, not what he started off as you know when he, with his career and his vision for what it was going to be like to be a, a public servant um, so I think it just I don't know I just saw Matt struggling but unable to let down this guard of this stigma, you know, that I 
I'm in not one but two careers that I'm supposed to be rock solid. Like I cannot show a crack. I can't show any sign of weakness. And it just, it was just chipping away at him. You know, it was, mm -hmm. it was not like an overnight thing. It was a slow process. And even I, as his wife, you know, the person who knew him the best and, um, I missed a lot, you know, I, he did a great job of trying to make me think he was okay. Yeah. So I assume he never got any help. Did he see no, he any did. therapy? Oh, he okay. did for okay. sure. Um, I don't know. Like he got to a point with me where he was, he was very comfortable. He didn't worry that I looked at him as weak, um, because of seeking help. But, um, he, he had a therapist. Um, he fiddled with some EMDR a little bit. We, that was at the mm -hmm. very end and we didn't get really far enough into it to see if that would be helpful. But I think it would have been, we just didn't get that chance, you know, to complete that process. But, um, he was on board. I didn't ever have to talk him into his therapy appointments or anything that his therapist suggested, but I don't know that Matt would have gone to work and said, I'm headed to therapy after I clock out today. Like that's still, there was always this element of keep it on the down low, you know? Yeah. And you and I talked before and that that's a frustration for you. Yeah. That oh, people yeah. feel have to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it just, I, I don't have an issue with it, but I'm also not in the position of soldiers in law enforcement. And, you know, I'm actually in a career where it's encouraged to, you know, share your feelings. And, um, you know, I'm, I, there are a lot of emotions where I work as a nurse that just, they can't be hidden. You know, when people are grieving the loss of a baby or bad news or, you know, a bad prognosis, like those are things that, it's expected, you know, that you show emotion and are tearful. But um, for Matt, it just, there was just always this cloud of stigma hanging over him that it was unspoken, you know, no one ever said it, but just got to push through. You got to set that aside, put it in a box on a shelf and just carry on. Yeah. I feel like it's gotten better. I do. I do mm -hmm. think there are, um, you know, there's been some, key people, whether they're celebrities or, um, people that are in a, a position that, you know, kind of on a pedestal, I, I do feel like people are talking about it more. So I sense change, you know, I sense yeah. that things are moving in the right direction and that, that makes me very happy. Um, you know, when somebody loses another person, um, everybody around you wants to do something and they say to you, um, is there anything at all I can do? Mm -hmm. And there's no answer to that. But in the last 14 months, has there been anything that you felt was helpful that did happen? Maybe it's something that someone said to you or an event or something even you were part of, maybe the thing in Jeff City. Was there anything that you felt was actually helpful mm -hmm. to you, a person who lost somebody so dear? Yeah, so uh, this is my first experience with grief. Um, really on this level and there's so much, you know, I know people are well-meaning and 
I am certain in times past I have said things that I thought were well-meaning but just weren't helpful at all. Um, but I have identified the things that that help me, and it, it is things that honor and remember Matt and push toward not letting this happen again. Um, so that's a great example is my, my time at the, the Capitol in Jefferson City getting to tell my story. On November 17th, just eight short months ago, I got the knock on the door that nobody wants. Two Springfield police officers who were also co-workers and very close friends to Matt and I stood on my porch to tell me that my husband of 27 years had taken his own life. To say that Matt's death in this manner was an utter shock to everyone would be an understatement. He was bright, driven, high achieving, and larger than life. He spoke of his future often but he was also a victim of many different types of trauma, some of which I knew about early on and some that he would not fully share with me until just a few years ago. You know, I, I always heard when people lost a loved one that they had this fear and terror that, that their loved one would be forgotten. And I never really understood that. I'm, you know, I would always think, well, they were you know, they lived a full life. Why would anybody forget them? But it, it's true. When it happens to you, things, it doesn't take long for people's memories to fade. And you have a hard time remembering what his voice sounded like, you know, or what it was like to have him among you. And so to get to do things like that is just... I listened, you know, to your testimony <clears throat> and Bailey's. Wow. Um, you both were really amazingly composed and well-spoken. Uh, I was especially touched by Bailey mm -hmm. because of her age. Yeah. That was, that was a tough situation and she didn't hardly even waver. Mm -hmm. My name is Bailey. I'm 25 years old. My dad, Matt Brown, was a lieutenant colonel serving his 25th year in the army when he died by suicide just eight months ago. He was the definition of selfless. My dad gave 110% of himself towards every aspect of his life. He worked long hours, often having to step away from important things like birthday dinners to take a phone call. He worked weekends, late nights, and rarely said no when asked to take on a project or responsibility for the hundredth time that month. But despite how busy he always was, he never made you feel like a burden. In fact, just the opposite. If you came to him needing to talk about something important or even just to chat, he would stop what he was doing and give you this look. You had his full attention for however long you needed it. He was so utterly devoted to every person in his life, but especially to his family. It, it's, I, from day one, I am not one of those people that um, you should ever be afraid to talk to me about my husband. In fact, if you bring his name up, I promise you, you're not going to send me into tears. You're not going to set me back. And I understand why people think, well, maybe she was having a good day and I brought his name up and that, you know, ruined her day. That will never happen with me. I, I speak openly. I'm very transparent. I love like that is probably the number one thing anybody can do is just recall memories, you know, speak of him as though his life mattered and that he still, you know, front and center in people's minds. 
That's a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way too. Losing my dad yeah. you know, two months ago. I'm like, cause he's already starting to fade yes. a little bit. And I'm like, you know, what's it going to be like in two years and yeah. all that. So that's very true. I want to hear more about him. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to think of memories of Matt that I had and they're so long ago though. I know. Well, even just the night when you and I were talking on the phone, I, I was tearing up on the other end cause I don't know you, I haven't met you, but it's, I, I love meeting people who knew my husband and to mm -hmm. hear you describe what I know is so true and accurate about Matt, you know, just his level of professionalism mm -hmm. and how he could win over, not, not even win over because he wasn't trying. He just, he could balance, um, relationships and he was just so genuine, you know, he mm -hmm. just had a way of just making you feel like you were maybe the only person in the room. <laughs> Yeah, and then he could move on to someone new and make them feel that way too. And it wasn't, it wasn't calculated. It was just him, you know. Mm -hmm. It was his warmth. We know that, you know, this loss is going to be profound for you for a while. Mm -hmm. um, over the last several months, are you feeling like you're 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 finding a light somewhere toward the end? And what is that light? Is it your kids? Mm -hmm. You know. Um. Well, we, you know, I had a birthday yesterday. Oh. Um, and so and it, it, we're on round two of everything, mm -hmm. you know, like Matt passed away November 17th. So we immediately got thrown into holidays and trying to figure out what that looked like, you know, traditions and such without him. Um, so everything that was a first, honestly, we were just numb zombies mm -hmm. getting through so this round of holidays this past year and now you know birthdays coming up a second time feel like the first ones to us and so I when I compare them to last year um, they're still hard you know it's just it's never gonna feel right to not have him at the table with us but it it is better and you know you hear so much about time doesn't heal your wounds and it won't heal them it's always gonna be there but time just does make you more capable of dealing with the pain and thank goodness for that because I can't you know when I think back to those early months I've never experienced anything like that in my life I I don't even recognize who I was um, I don't want to go back to that you know so I'm grateful that time does kind of allow you to to cope better um, my kids, yes, you alluded to that. They're absolutely just, we're, we were a close family before, but now we are just, you know, attached at the hip. And we know, you know, myself and my three kids, that that, that will never change. You know, we, are, we have a bond. None of us is ever going to bail on the other. The, those are the relationships that we can count on. And I would absolutely credit my faith as well. Um, you know, I, I don't know how people get through something like this without a relationship with God. He's, he's given me, you know, whether I s take time to pray in a day or not, because it doesn't always happen. Um, he, he gives me just this peace. I know it, it sounds kind of corny, but I can't explain it. You know, I know that in a life that's hard and, you know, here on this earth, it's messed with my trust issues a lot. I just don't know who I can look at and trust, but that's, that's one thing that I know. I, I, I sincerely feel like God's heart is breaking right alongside mine. This, 
was not his plan at all. Um, but he's got me, you know, and I, that, that security of just resting in that is, has been key to, to my progress in the grief process. Do you know, or do you have any thought process on, this is a hard question, Kelly. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what do you think was the breaking point for Matt that he just felt like this was what I needed to do? Um, yeah, that, um, that's complicated, but in Matt's mind, it was, and I hate to even say this because it just doesn't, it, it'll never sound right. There's never going to be words to put to this that sound right to me, but Matt genuinely thought he was doing us a favor. Um, you know, he felt like decisions he had made and, and things he had done was, um, hurtful to other people and that, you know, he was getting his family and friends um, caught up in his storm. And he truly felt like that removing himself from that was going to allow us to live a life that was free from his ability to cause more pain. Um, you know, that's obviously not the way I look at it and I would do anything to have him back here and and tell him that but you know when people have unresolved trauma um, they just aren't thinking correctly they, they perceive the world and their issues and and all just completely differently than the rest of us do so had you known much about PTSD before this um, no I honestly Matt was never diagnosed with PTSD but again that goes back to the stigma like he came home, there was this process of, you know, checking all the boxes, how you doing, you okay? And I, I made it clear to Matt when he came back that anything he wanted to share with me about what he saw or what he experienced in his combat time, that I was here for it. You know, he could talk to me, I would be happy to listen. Um, and he really never did. And I, I took that as he, he was okay. He didn't need to talk about it, but I realize now that's not true at all. Um, and I, looking back, I don't know how I would have handled that differently because it's, it's a, a delicate dance you play. You don't want to pressure them to talk about something that's so fiercely sensitive. So I, I don't know looking back how I would have handled it differently, but I, he, he told me a few things and the few things he told me were heartbreaking. Um, so now sitting where I'm at, I think, well, if those were the things he was comfortable telling me about and it broke my heart. I can only imagine what he experienced that he didn't tell me about. Yeah. Um, spouses of people who suffer from PTSD for whatever reason, and it sounds to me, and I'm no therapist, but it sounds to me like Matt had two sets of it. Mm -hmm. He had the set related to his upbringing, and then he had yeah. the combat. Um, what is it like to be a spouse of somebody who you're, you're wanting to help them through those challenges? Mm -hmm. And like you just said, he only told you a certain amount of mm -hmm. it and you can't just berate him right and try to you know, shake it out of him mm -hmm. 
what is it what is it like to be a spouse trying to help someone you love you know i i have often now that you know matt's gone i sit back and there's a lot of things that are more clear to me now and i think would i do it again you know if knowing what i do now would i marry matt and take all that on and the answer is just a thousand percent yes because there was so much more good to him than bad. Um, he had so much to offer. I, I got to experience. I know it sounds crazy because we went through a lot of rough times as a married couple, but to experience Matt's love was, you know, a treasure and something that I will always... I, I owned his heart one million percent. and. Anybody would tell you that, that knew him and knew us, and that's enough. I would, I would do it all again. I would do it different, you know. I would um, try to help him walk through that stuff in a more deliberate way. Um, but I, I wouldn't change a thing. And I'm glad you said that there was so much more to him than this, this thing that he was struggling with. Let's talk about some of that good stuff. <laughs> That's easy. Some some of the good stuff. Let's let's <clears throat> let's paint a picture for those who never knew Matt Brown. Mm-hmm. What's the good stuff about Matt Brown? Oh my goodness, family. He adored his family. Um, fiercely protective of all of us. Um, he had such a he was such a hands on dad and just invested in our kids' lives and um, all three of our kids. Although it was abbreviated, they they felt completely cherished by him. Um, Matt was a he, he described himself as a closet nerd. Although I don't really know how closet it was because <laughs> he had the quirkiest um, hobbies, uh, super adventurous. He he loved the whole Renaissance era. Um, just anything unique, you know. He took a interest in certain cultures and didn't just it wasn't superficial like he dug deep he was taking Japanese lessons because he was going to go to Japan and be able to communicate with those people um just a pod he lit up every room he walked into you know he just was never in a bad mood he could make everybody feel special and it was such a joy to I admittedly lived in his shadow for a long time because I'm more of a a bit reserved you know just kind of homebody and Matt is super it was super super outgoing but I did it gladly it was it was never a like I was not resentful of it I loved to be by his side and go to events whether it was army or whatnot and just let him be him and I could just sit back and just enjoy watching my husband and all of his amazing qualities that I saw at home and he consistently transferred that over to to everybody in our lives. So the message I think you wanted to to kind of get across by doing this effort was um, just letting people like Matt know that they can speak up for help, Mm -hmm. ask somebody to let them in, and that's why you went to Jeff City, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I did get that off your Facebook and recorded all of it, so I'll probably use some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, anything more about that message? I mean, I got the sense from our call that that's really what you want 
to keep pushing as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, that that is the the theme that's so important to me is just I, I want them and you know employers and organizations to not just say the words like if you're struggling please like be proactive you know when Matt came home from deployment there's no reason why he should not have been put through a mandatory decompression process that involved not only him personally but bring in the wife you know we don't know how to deal with these soldiers that have seen combat for so long and you know while they were gone we had to become fiercely independent and that in itself is hard they come home and their wife is different, you know, because she had to be. And there's, there was no formal, you know, plans put into place to help us deal with that. Um, I don't think it should be a choice. You know, I think that these soldiers, given the way they think and the stigmas, I think you're going to have to tell them, okay, you're home now. Here's the mandatory training you need to be put through or the sessions or... I don't know that any soldier would turn that down and I don't know that anybody wouldn't get some benefit out of it so yeah when you start a new job they put you through orientation right right so and they same with the military my gosh it's training all the time mm -hmm. so what I'm hearing you say is why is it when we have to be trained to do something mm -hmm. we when we go back home we don't retrain right to come back into the world. Yeah, I mean, a year's a long time to, to when you live every day in a, a combat zone and you don't know if the local you're speaking to is a good one or a dangerous one, I mean, that changes your entire way of thinking and the way you look at the world. So yeah, you can't stick them on a plane and send them back home and just hope they're gonna reintegrate into life in a functional, healthy way. That has yeah. to be taught. For sure. What does the future hold for Kelly? What do you see? Are you just trying to get through, or are you? Do you are you making plans in your life? Um, I I want more opportunity, you know, to have a platform and share because early on, I very early on, I said I'm I won't pretend like this didn't happen. And for some people in this situation, that is what they want to do, you know. And I understand that everybody grieves different. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> so far I've just kind of been sitting back like the whole going to the Capitol thing just kind of fell into my lap this kind of fell into my lap and I trust that more things will but I, I kind of to a point where I think I need to start seeking some things out mm. um, I you know I'm still in therapy and have no issue telling anybody that and will be for a very long time and my therapist asked me what He's like, give me a word or two. What does 2020, because this was back like right before the new year, what does it hold for you? And I'm like, healing. I want to heal. And that doesn't mean that I want to forget what happened or move on without Matt in my life. That's just not possible. You know, he's always, he's ingrained in, in me so much. But I do want to heal because I am still here and I still have kids that need me and need a role model. As messed up as it is, my dad committed suicide out of genuine love for us. He thought that shielding us from his mental health through the years and then removing any possibility of hurting us with his future actions was the most logical and self-sacrificing choice he could make. 
In that moment, he made the wrong choice, and I can't help but wonder where we would be today if things were different. What if talking about depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts was normalized? If sharing those things didn't make people clutch their pearls and change the subject? What if being a soldier didn't have to mean that you sacrifice more, more, more of yourself until there was nothing left to give? What if we treated soldiers with the understanding that they were probably going through something even when it seemed like they weren't? What if we trained more soldiers and officials to recognize the small, nuanced cues that they might be in crisis? We know how to stop, drop, and roll when we are on fire, but do our soldiers have the same set of tools ingrained in them for the moment they hit rock bottom? As of January 17th, 2023, the Veterans Administration is offering free care to U.S. military who feel they are in acute suicidal crisis. It includes up to 30 days of inpatient and 90 days of outpatient care. You don't have to be officially enrolled to qualify. If you or a loved one feels suicidal, please call the National Suicide Hotline. It's three simple digits, 988. Or Call 1-800-273-TALK to speak to a trained counselor. This is a production of Canines for Camo, an organization that serves those who served us. Find us on Facebook or go to caninesforcamo.org.